Greetings, Maltopians. Are you looking to delve deeper into the world of Maltopia? Then check out our Patreon, where you can find written mythos pieces, world maps, found footage, art, Patreon-exclusive shows, and more. Just go to patreon.com forward slash Maltopia and join one of our tiers for access to great new content. Brave the forbidden and embrace the darkness. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Shocked today as police arrived to investigate two grizzly bears. They say the women's feet were sewn together at the bottom. Mr. Solo is the latest in a long list of murders. 
From the Journal of the Grey Scribe. I really like that name, the Grey Scribe. I feel it somewhat dignifies an otherwise undignified station, as well as an otherwise undignified person. Today I am writing you from the top of a ruined church, balanced quite precariously between two jutting turrets. Mr. Gray has insisted that I accompany him on his newest dalliance with death. I'm none too thrilled to be here, but I must confess the view is quite amazing. The wind up here feels like God's breath whispering across my body, the Lord's face just barely discernible within the gathering darkness, slowly disappearing behind the herd of clouds presently lumbering overhead. I forget too often, especially of late, that I am a writer, if not a particularly good one. Even though I prove capable of a few decent sentences, now and then. My owner explained to me, earlier this morning while I made him eggs and toast, that there's been much ado about this new player in the game, having killed quite a number of its participants. He said, The contest itself has become a hunted thing, with each wolf that falls to the interloper will bring the dream closer to waking. This cannot be allowed, but while the beast has all our names, we know nothing of it. Some of us, those who are disposed to speak, have suggested hunting it together. You must bear witness to this, for the wolves shall become a great ravening pack, and we shall taste the blood of this trespasser. The upshot of such terrible news is that I am secreted away on this roof while Mr. Gray meets with some of his would-be victims, and quite possibly, the killer that will finally clip him, provided the monster doesn't rip him into pieces first, of course. I'm not sure how I'd feel about that, Mr. Gray getting himself murdered. He's a decent enough guy for a serial killer. It sometimes slips my mind that if he weren't involved in this great bloody wolf hunt, he'd be off killing innocent people. He lets me stay up late, eat all the junk food I want, even buys me gifts. Why, just last week he bought me an antique writing set. It even came with a fancy-ass quill pen. But like most things my captor does, there was a purpose behind his actions. You see, just before he gave it to me, he said, Your penmanship often appears like squirming insects curling and sprawling about the fine pages I've provided you. This just won't do, I'm afraid. You see, writing is the art of trapping thoughts on paper, laying them to rest, if you will. The shape of a letter can reveal much about the writer, even beyond the content of his words. You, my friend, have the fine job of preserving my thoughts, and I should not want to give the impression that I would take on the services of an indelicate penman. So I've gifted you with this calligraphy set in the hopes of improving your ability to properly lay my thoughts within their delicate white graves. I was never one for a cursive writing, let alone calligraphy, but what the hell, right? I gave it a shot, and it does turn out that I'm not too bad at it. I like it, in fact. Mr. Gray was right. The shape and style of the handwritten word lends a distinct sophistication to the content being written, even transposing that elegance to the writer's thoughts themselves. Cool. I can see Mr. Gray down there in the courtyard, his cane sword gripped casually in his left hand. He lit a small fire just outside the broken entrance to the church, to signal his location. Not a great move, if you ask me, but he does seem to know what he's doing. This gathering was arranged entirely within the collective dreams the killers all share. 
so I'm curious if anyone actually shows up. If someone does actually pop in, it'll be just one more crack in the foundation of my sanity, such as it is. Yep, here comes someone. They're wrapped in a weird-looking cloak, almost looks like a single ragged batwing. The man's tall but thin as a needle. His movements are sharp, controlled, and quick. He and Mr. Gray are talking now. Oh, my mistake, it's not a guy at all. She just took her hood down, and I can see black hair flowing ephemeral, almost weightlessly, like gobs of spiderwebs. I can even smell a perfume. Way up here. Wow, that perfume. I bet she's a knockout for sure. Here comes someone else. Wait just a minute. The shadow's all wrong. It's moving against the firelight. It's coming up the goddamn wall. Okay, I'm back. Almost dropped my damn journal. Mr. Gray appears to have asked the thing to knock his respective shit off. I don't know what the hell it is, but I'd wager it isn't human. It keeps fading in and out, and... Yes, it's changing height as well. About the only constant is its mask. A golden goblin's face, caught somewhere between a leer and a smirk. A massive man just showed up. He seems to have just one arm, the left one, and it is positively huge. From what I can see, it's wrapped in all kinds of weird tattoos. He's pointing at me now. How do they all know I'm up here? Am I glowing? These neo-psychotics and their weird senses, I'm telling you. They've been talking for a while now. The fire's all but smoking ash, and my back is positively killing me. Mr. Gray told me to stay up here just in case, but they all seem to know I'm here, and it doesn't look like anything's going to happen tonight, so I do think I'm going to be headed down. So, without further ado, dear reader, I'm going to do just that. My hands were shaking too much to capture anything in real time, so I'll have to give you the recap. Something came howling through the church, casting aside stone and concrete like they were nothing. I just cleared the staircase when the monster exploded through the wall. It made a sound like, like all the shrieks in the world had been bundled together into one horrible, deafening sound. When it burst outside, it stepped onto what was left of the fire, shooting flames into the air. The strangely rejuvenated fire tossed an orange glow upon the trees outlining the boundaries of the courtyard. All the wolves save one were blown backwards by the explosive debris. The big one, with the huge left arm, stood his ground, batting aside a huge chunk of stone as easily as the monster had knocked it free. The two collided with each other, and I swear I felt the shockwave rattle my bones. The monster crashed a wicked fist down upon Lefty, who, to his credit, didn't break into fucking pieces. Lefty just cranked back, that gigantic arm of his, and threw a terrible haymaker into the creature's jaw. He practically spun the thing in a complete circle. Despite the ungodly wallop it took, the creature was undeterred, hammer-fisting Lefty to his knees. As the two grappled, the monster was suddenly dragged backwards by its shadow. It was the Golden Goblin reaching out from the darkness. The masked shadow flung the creature through a huge stone column of the church, but no sooner had the creature been buried in stone than it exploded free. If I understood the game plan, beyond simply joining forces, the wolves were combining their red dreams, a suspension of the laws of nature which granted them exceptional abilities when they were near one another, 
or so Mr. Gray had explained to me. With the four of them joined together, surely they outmatched the monster. Next came my captor, slicing through the darkness, blade outstretched. He caught the monster in the chest, plunging the blade of his cane sword deep into the beast's heart. Yet the creature seemed unfazed, and with a fierce backhand it nearly took off Mr. Gray's head. Before the creature had fully recovered from my master's attack, the woman with spiderwebs for hair appeared behind the beast, burying her overlong fingers into the meat of the thing's back, tugging at its spine. The creature howled in pain, thrashing wildly at its tormentor. The strange woman did not relent, only reaching deeper into the demon's back as if trying to climb inside its body. Lefty was back up. He cranked that monster across the face, blasting its teeth all over the courtyard several embedding themselves like bullets into the nearby stone wall. I have no shame in saying that I had to check my shorts. Mr. Gray also returned, busying himself at the task of slicing through the tendons of the monster's legs, causing it to slowly collapse to its knees. I could see the golden goblin's shadow holding tightly the beast's flailing arms, allowing the other killers to pile onto their adversary without significant resistance. All was going well, and the beast seemed near defeat, when I noticed the trees around the courtyard turning white and dead. For a fleeting moment, I thought I caught sight of a giant shadow, bloated and female, stooping behind the tree line. Then, the lightning fell like rain. The four screams chased the thunder. The hole in the sky continued to pour out a sea of lightning, surging and splashing across the battlefield, reducing much of the surrounding forest to a smoking landscape of blackened matchsticks. The thunder was unbearable, a standing ovation of gods bringing together mountainous hands. My head was ready to crack open and spill out its brains for want of silence, when the world suddenly went silent and dark. My first thought was that I'd gone deaf and blind, but I could make out the sound of wind, scavenging the soot as hungrily as a pack of jackals, and I could see blurred figures scattered about the smoking ground. Mr. Gray was among the blackened forms. If anything justified the rumors of their superhuman fortitude, it was that the four neo-psychotics still drew breath, albeit with difficulty. Not surprisingly, Lefty was the first to his feet, gritting sizzling teeth and exhaling smoke. I thought of a doomed bull refusing to fall to the matador's bloody blade. My eyes were still adjusting to the renewed darkness when Lefty seemed to take a shot from a cannon, throwing him from the blackened earth. Their giant, rampaging adversary was up and swinging, apparently untouched by the lightning. It sent Lefty flying, his body slapping against the side of the stone church like a wet side of beef. The bull finally fell, seemingly disinclined to rise again. The goblin rose from the smoldering ground, drifting upwards and vanishing in the same breath. <laughs> Smart guy, that one. Spiderlocks and Mr. Gray were side by side. A united front as the monster lunged. The two killers parted, allowing the creature to pass between them. They turned in tandem, laying blades and sharpened bone into the passing behemoth, tearing out another shriek from the killer of killers. Unfortunately, the creature's size belied its speed as it quickly pivoted, punting Mr. Gray into a smoldering pine tree. My master coughed blood, collapsing in a heap. Spiderlocks was back atop the creature, her clawed hands yet again chasing the thing's spine. In an instant, the monster barreled towards the remaining walls of the church. Just prior to impact, it spun, forcing the spider to take the brunt of the impact. She splattered, a dragonfly on the highway windshield.
I noticed Mr. Gray struggling to his feet again. I was too minded about his efforts. I certainly wanted to reclaim my freedom, to be all alone to write my shitty, shitty books, but I was also eager to see my captor win his contest, if only to witness the results. At some point, I became aware of a strange bit of whispering wind, scraping dead leaves across the concrete floor of the church. It came from the opposite direction of the scavenger breeze I'd first detected, post-lightning. It bore the distinct scent of autumn decay and seemed possessed of a relaxing lightness, a playfulness that mocked the death spilling out all around me. Someone whispered into my ear, Oh, to be all triangles and crooked smiles, candle wax betwixt your ears, little lamps of fire that hop and skip, fake faces over masks, over veils. How many masks deep are your clicking cogs, little peeping Tom? I froze. The whisperer was crouched beside me. I could smell Halloween on his breath. Candy, cold rain, dead leaves. I knew precisely who was whispering to me. Jack Lantern continued, purring. It's almost time for us to bury all the machines, little Tommy Peeper. And now, out of the blue, comes one who would break all of our shovels. Can't have that, can we? And then he was gone, vanished from my side, brown leaves spinning in his stead. In the next moment, Jack was standing among a collection of smoking sprigs, staring up at the lumbering monster. He wore a crude jack-o'-lantern mask and a ripped black scarf wrapped around his neck, flapping in the stolen September breeze. The Autumn City Madman was unusually tall, thin, and cheerful, giggling under that ridiculous mask. As he whipped out two huge carving knives, I knew he was going straight to work. The man worked so fast it was hard to keep track of all of his slashing, cleaving, leaping. Honestly, he was just a marvel to watch. I found my mouth agape more than a few times. The monster swung and kicked and roared, but never once connected. The once killer of killers was clearly getting killed by the lone wolf, weakening second by second, slash by stab. Yet just as before, when the monster began to lose, the strange dead trees began to sway. Something fat and monstrous moved behind them. The sky turned green, and I knew it was about to rain lightning again. Or was it? Just as the sky looked like it might crack open, the fall breeze cranked up to a maelstrom, roaring out of the north like a goddamn hurricane. It was as if the elemental powers were joining the fray alongside their favorite killers, trying to tilt the scales. Neither one seemed particularly affected by the warring elements exploding all around them. However, Jack did continue to teach the monster more lessons than it cared to learn. Somewhere within that howling storm, at some point during the chaotic battle, the church began to come down all around me. I barely managed to get out the back, as the sky fell bright and blazing and the wind became a living, killing thing. I ran and ran, and I never looked back. After a few days of hiding out, I returned to my home. It was just as I left it, dull and empty. I waited days for Mr. Gray to show, but he never did. Finally, maybe a uh, week later, I finally saw him again on the front page of the morning paper. His head had turned up on the porch of an abandoned house in the woods, carved to look like a jack-o'-lantern. 
triangles for eyes, a jagged grin, melted candles, and a scooped-out head filled with candy. Jack Lantern had claimed another victim. No one knew who the head belonged to. I'm sure no one ever will. Except me. After about six months, I decided to travel into the country, to a very specific and fascinating attic. I was elated to see Mr. Gray's journals were still there. My books are selling like hotcakes now, winning awards even. There's no doubt about it, the tales of Ebenezer the Immortal are a hit. I'll never have to worry about running out of ideas either. I've got over a hundred years of material to draw from. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 